Before we get into today's episode of One Shining Podcast, want to shout out a Spotify original, the Prestige TV podcast. If you were watching Succession, like everyone here at The Ringer, everyone in my family, everyone really just in my circle of life, seems like everyone's locked in on Succession. You got to go check out the Prestige TV podcast. The latest episode was an episode nine recap of Succession season four. Bill Simmons, Sean Finnessy, Joanna Robinson. They're always on top of what's going on there. It's always a great show. Always great fun to kind of get together and rehash what we just witnessed and what we just saw. So go check that out. The Prestige TV podcast. And now One Shining Podcast. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we got a good one because unfortunately for the world of basketball, Carmelo Anthony decided to step away from the game. So myself and Kyle Mann will reflect on some of the greatest moments from Carmelo Anthony's career. I had a great time just reminiscing about the good old days, 2002, 2003, even up to 2010. And then things change a little bit. But look, there are a lot of Knicks fans that love the Carmelo in New York. I enjoyed it at some level. But there was a time where Carmelo was on a, a meteoric path, a meteoric rise. We'll talk about all that. We'll talk about Syracuse. We'll frame it in a college basketball lens. We'll also talk about the NBA Combine, some of the standouts from the Combine, some names that you need to know, some names that you already know and things like that. We'll also get into a conversation about the Boozers. And if you don't know who the Boozers are and you're like, what's going on here? This, these are the kids of Carlos Boozer. They are 2025 recruits. They're getting the blue blood treatment. They're getting offers right now. And we want you to understand who these guys are, what to look forward to. Um, this is our introduction of the Boozers um, and the Twins because we love Twins in college basketball. There's a jam-packed show today. Kyle's going to talk about his wedding party, getting in a fight, right, Kyle? I mean, that's happening. That's real. No, he's shaking his head. He's not happy about it. But we, we got a jam-packed show. Kyle Mann is on. You know what it is. It's Monday. Uh, let's get into it. Anything else, Kyle, before we get into today's show? My wedding party's turning into a fight club, but first... <laughs> Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Technical foul. All right, welcome back. 
I am here still in Los Angeles sitting next to producer Kyle. And joining us now is one of the best in the business. He's a man that is just making things happen in the NBA playoffs. He has done every single ringer platform possible. You and I were doing videos last week with KOC for the draft. He, of course, is the great Kyle man. Kyle, great to see you, buddy. Yeah, next up, EGOT, right? I should just go ahead. <laughs> since, I've, since I've done all the Ringer pods, I should expand. I always say Rob Mahoney has the Ringer EGOT because he's mm. been on like every show. So I don't think I'm going to catch him, but I don't know. I'm doing my best. That's all we can do, Tate. That's all we yeah, can do. Yeah, and it's playoff season, right? So this is the time that you get on and, you know, you give your takes. And shout out to Rob Mahoney. He's always so um, just kind of like even keeled throughout the whole process and very level-headed. But sometimes on this show, I like to get loud. I like to get boisterous and I like to have some, uh, you know, some takes, right? That's what we're supposed to do on the show. But before we get into the NBA draft combine and, you know, some of the transfer portal news and things like that in college basketball, we got to talk about the biggest story in basketball today. And that is the retirement of Carmelo Anthony, one of the best college basketball one and done players. I know that there's a lot of people that are like, he doesn't really count as a one and done because the one and done rule wasn't in when he actually did it. But he counts in my heart, counts in my mind. Bob McAdoo counts in my heart, counts in my mind. But Carmelo Anthony, first, let's talk about the video, Kyle, man, because you and I were going back and forth on this. What were your what were your initial thoughts? You, you see Carmelo sit down. You see like the highlights. You see, you know, him give his little speech. And I'm, I'm going to say this. The first 30 seconds to 45 seconds, I'm it's a tearjerker. I'm getting a little I'm yeah. getting a little teary eyed. Right. Is that what we're both feeling at that point? Immediately, I'm just on a roller coaster back in time, just thinking like, oh, man. And this always happens when these guys I just want to and I want to be clear here that like Carmelo is like roughly my he's a, he's a little older than me, just a, just a hair older. He and LeBron both are. Uh, but you just whenever these things end after being going for a long time, it, it's kind of a similar feeling to like when a show, a long running show ends, you kind of. I always do this thing when I think back about like uh, where I was when the thing started. And I'm like, damn, like a lot of life has gone. I shared a lot of life following this thing. And you just kind of maybe it's a narcissistic thing, which <laughs> will play forward into what we're going to talk about in a second. But um, I just immediately kind of went back thinking about like, OK, you know, I remember having like this ESPN DVD that I bought back in like 2004 or something that was like just talking about high school phenoms. And it had like Amari on there and Dwight Howard dunking on Randolph Morris on there. And but one of the big ones was I remember specifically and I've said this about LeBron. I remember specifically hearing about Carmelo through this sort of aggregated AP recruiting thing that ran in our local paper when I was growing up. And I remember seeing his name and specifically thinking to myself, strong name, mm. Carmelo. What a cool name. Wow. That's just a, it, it just it. The name has a brand power to it. You know, I know you're a brand guy. We're both brand guys. Immediately, you're just struck by how cool his name is, and I'm like, "Oh, he's at O'Kill." That that I didn't, I wasn't, you know, I'm not hip enough to have watched him pre O'Kill. There wasn't a lot of footage back then that you could you could really do that, but um, pre YouTube and all that. But yeah, I mean, I just remember becoming aware of him through like the bullhorn of recruiting rankings and stuff, and being like, "This guy's a badass!" Wow, really, you know? And him and LeBron going head to head in high school and things like that. Yeah, that was the first time that I really noticed him. And obviously, LeBron, we knew from, what, age 15, right? You just knew the name. And, you know, we're all talking about Wimbenyama and how he's everywhere and how he's this amazing prospect and all these sort of things. But LeBron was the first one where he's on ESPN2. He has Jay Billis. He has all these guys on the call. Somehow, 
I knew too much about LeBron James at that point. And Carmelo, just by being in North Carolina, Oak Hill was always a, a topic of conversation. Steve Smith, shout out to Coach Steve Smith, one of the legends. Coaching we got to get him on here. Yeah, we, we got to get him on here. He, he's, he's got stories for days and for years at this point. But, um, you know, the Oak Hill brand, speaking of brands, is very strong. So you got these two guys going head to head. The first moment that I realized that I might fall in love with Carmelo Anthony was at the McDonald's game. He won the dunk contest. And I think a lot of people forget this because, like you said, it was kind of LeBron versus Carmelo. LeBron was the de facto number one guy, right? He was the, the one that we're all supposed to know as number one. But as you were watching the McDonald's All-American game that year, you're watching Carmelo and you're saying to yourself, ah, I don't know. This guy is uh, this guy's super impressive, too. He wins the dunk contest. I'm still convinced that's why LeBron doesn't like the dunk contest because Carmelo won that at the McDonald's game, and LeBron was like, that's not my lane anymore. That's his lane. He can go do that. Uh, Carmelo and LeBron, right, we have diverged pass. He ends up going to Syracuse for one year in college. LeBron goes straight to the NBA. Um, and then we have the Team USA uh, back and forth with these guys. They go through the lowest of lows. Uh, Carmelo, you know, in 02 wins a bronze medal. 04 get, gets a bronze, and then they're part of the Redeem team in 08 and all that sort of stuff. So their careers have just kind of been side by side, and it's also always been kind of like, okay, LeBron up here, Carmelo, you're right here. You're neck and neck, but you're not quite that guy. And I will say I just want to put it in a college basketball you know, lens. And I think that what Carmelo did at Syracuse, getting Jim Beheim and the zone to get, you know, that validation that it needed. And then I was going back through his game logs, game logs at Syracuse. This guy played like a senior as a freshman in a time when actual juniors and seniors played in college basketball. He had 10 plus games where he went to the line, to the free throw line 10 plus times. This guy averaged 27 and 12 in the final four. I mean, he was just a, a superstar. And I think as time is kind of, you know, passed on, we don't remember that Carmelo and how much of a splash he really had as a freshman in college basketball. And then to go play that Kansas team with Kirk Heinrich, Nick Collison, right? All of these veteran guys. And it felt like it was Kansas's year with Roy Williams. Um, it just felt inevitable for him and Jim Beheim with that zone, Akeem work. Obviously, they had a good team, but it was all Carmelo centric. He was the star. He was the son. He was everything. And I almost feel like that title does not get its its due enough. So, from a college basketball lens, I just want to say, Carmelo Anthony, you are one of those ones. I'm not saying he's him. I'm not saying he's he. But he's definitely one of those ones all time. And I I just wanted to to flash back to that because I feel like even in this video, you know, that he put out, we don't even get enough Syracuse, in my opinion. We get one little shot of the championship, but he was incredible. I mean, iconic, next level, whatever you want to say. And I, I, what do you remember from that run? Because it still sticks in my mind to this day. Uh, I mean, he was just very physically mature. That's yeah. a big thing. When he came in, he was able to just uh, take contact around the rim. Of course, we saw him become more of like a dribble pull-up shooter later in his career, and that kind of became his thing. He was he was just sort of sort of one of the. He was from the church of that like post MJ ISO era two thousand. Like he he was very prominent during that time, and during his first, you talk about them being neck and neck, um, neck and neck like there. I mean. He was a 10-time All-Star during his first 10 seasons in the league. Uh, he made the playoffs. Now, he only really had two significant playoff runs. He had one in 08-09 when they kind of got choked out by the uh, the Kobe uh, Powell Gasol Lakers. And then again in 2012-13 when they when they lost to, I believe, the Pacers uh, in, the, in the second round, I believe. But yeah, yeah so... 
I'll, I mean, I'll be honest. Like Carmelo's never been like once. Once I loved the hype of like what he could be when he was younger. Uh, I really loved the. This is a, a, a minor digression, but I loved the. I, I was a t-shirt under jersey guy mm. when I was growing up, and I, but I always enjoyed when do, players would do that like angled thing, like they would cut the sleeve, but it wouldn't be like it would kind of be at an angle where the top of the sleeve touched the top of your shoulder. I was like that, and then the NBA went to that wide-shouldered look in the mid two thousands. Those Reebok jerseys, which was just an abomination, mm-hmm. horrible choice. Looks better. I just I always kind of like Carmelo's style when he was younger. But as he like matured as a player, I kind of felt myself drifting away from him just because I, I kind of felt myself drifting away from these guys that leaned heavily towards scoring. Um, I don't know. I, I just kind of got the feeling throughout his career that he could have made choices to 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 be more of a winning player. Like I always kind of <laughs> thought that he was a very, very pursuant of his own offense. And you've heard people kind of criticize him that of that. And, and the way he aged as a player, I think is kind of indicative of, of that. He came around and kind of bent on some of that stuff, like refusing to come off the bench. There was some kind of Iverson E sort of like, you know, traits with the way that he aged out of the league. And, and I, I definitely did one of those, like he's retiring. And I just kind of like looked around. I was like, Oh, I, I thought this, I guess the formality was the only thing that was left, right? Yeah, and he was the most 2000s player ever, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, he kind of... Yes, I think so. (laughs) He had that, just like the T-Mac, Vince Carter, Allen Iverson, that ilk of guys, Baron Davis, Steve Franchise, all those guys, right? They they kind of um, exuded out of Carmelo. And one of the things I remember early about Melo is obviously the headband. He wore the headband. That was cool. He had all of the like wrist finger bands, right? That was that era, the long baggy shorts. He also had one of my favorite tattoos in NBA history, the Warner brother tattoo, which like at the time, you know, that was so Iverson that he would have that. And just in general, it was just like Carmelo was cool. Um, and he won in college, which I think gave him this, kind of ultimate pass in the NBA. I mean, he played 82 games of 82 games his rookie year. He was a great rookie. Um, he kind of, you know, hit the league and, and was running right away. So did LeBron. And then 09, I felt like was the watershed moment of his career where if you do take down Kobe and Pau Gasol, which, you know, looking back, there was no way that was going to happen, especially coming off the 08 finals loss. But that Denver series, it felt like if things were going to break the right way for Carmelo, he could have had a title before LeBron. You know what I mean? He could have been in this situation where, um, you know, who knows what happens. And obviously there were some USA basketball conversations behind the scenes. People talked about how LeBron and Carmelo talked about going to New York together, being on the Knicks together. Of course, that didn't work out. LeBron goes to Miami. Carmelo ends up forcing a trade to the Knicks. And that was sort of the end of the end for his, you know, little, you know, run of being this champion in that group of guys all time. But, I just, when I think of Carmelo, I think of the 2000s. I try to frame him in that decade. I know that we saw him uh, in the last decade in the 2010s, but I like to keep 2000s mellow in my mind, which gets me to the next half of this video, right? So then we're 45 seconds in. I'm I'm doing all this in my mind. I'm, I'm like placing him in history. I'm thinking about the fact that he averaged 23 field goals, field goal attempts a game in 2012, 2013. One of my favorite stats. I love FGAs. Carmelo was the king of FGAs. And, oh, then yeah. we, and then we get to the second half of the video, which goes back to the beginning, which is him versus LeBron. Now we have Kyan Anthony, his son, who pops up. The limelight is on him. And he basically says, now I'm passing the pressure onto you, son. Now you have to. Here's the baton to be a basketball superstar. Um, good luck. 
I've taught you everything I can. I've done all I could, but now it's your time to shine in a very similar way that LeBron has done this to Bronny. Um, and now we, they played each other on national television not too long ago. Right. So we do, we already had the moment where Bronny plays uh, Carmelo's son. And now we have both these guys and they've both been past the baton. What did you think about this, this kind of turn? Um, Cause it felt like less of a retirement announcement and more of an announcement to say, here comes my son. He's on his way. I appreciate the, the the sentiment of like, you know, trying to help your son. I, I you see that whenever NBA players like name themselves, they pass their name, they think, okay, well, this will help my son get a little bit of attention. Maybe it'll give him a little bit of benefit uh, benefit of the doubt down the road, you know? Or it could just be pure narcissism. I'm sure it's a case by case basis. You know, we've even seen that where men kind of give their daughters their name in a way. Um, but I mean <laughs> When I'm watching this, I'm I'm with you. Like at the beginning of the video, I was I was like, yeah, the, the nostalgia was flowing. I'm thinking about Carmelo's career. I'm in the mood to round up. I'm looking at it and I'm just like, you right. know, bygones. It's just basketball. I had a great time watching this guy. Let's, you know, here's your flowers, Carmelo. But it did kind of take a shift um, where I was just like, wait a minute, what? When he started talking about it, and then he briefly kind of, he has more than one kid. That was the part. And I guess you have to kind of tread a line here of like, you know, there is no one way to parent. That's what that's what we would mm-hmm. say. I just kind of and it, it's clear that his son has expressed interest in in playing basketball. He's a, he's an older player by this point, uh, you know, six, four guard. He's playing high school, Christ the King in New York, but he's ranked 60, 62nd in the class of 2025. We'll talk more about the class of 2025 in a minute. Um, I guess I guess I just the part of it that's odd to me is um, just saying my legacy is going to live on in you because. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I just kind of am like, you know, if he wants to play basketball, you know, maybe his son is asking for this. Maybe he's after like maybe he's after this and he's excited about it. I'm sure if you you asked him, he, that's what he would say to me. I'm I'm always just a little uncomfortable with that kind of thing because I'm like, I don't know. I just like your, your kid is going to be who they are. And like there's plenty of room. Just give them room to do that. That's always kind of my philosophy with with my son. I But there's also the thing of the branding thing, you know, like he may be just like throwing his son out there on main street and being like this, y'all need to know who my son is. And this is, this is going to be the biggest moment for me. And rec- I mean, this is the most we thought of Carmelo in a while. He flips it to think about his son. So I guess if you want to look at it through that prism, uh, Kyle's laughing. I don't yeah, know. It, it's a brand. It's a brand play. Really. That's what it comes yeah. down to, which is, you know, like you respect it at some level, but it is, you have to call it what it is. It is a brand play. And now we have this situation where, um, Bronny and Kyan Anthony, now we're going to keep up with them. And now they're in their own sort of arms race between each other. And I will say this in the in world where we have second generation NBA stars, Tim Hardaway Jr., Clay Thompson, all these sort of guys. I think that all of these elite, elite players have sort of gotten their kids, the idea that their kids are a shoe in because they're like, well, if Del Curry's kid who is a, you know, a starter, but really just like a specialist, if his kid can end up being an all-timer, top 10 all-time, then wait till you see my kid. And I just want to remind people that Del Curry and Sonya Curry, the entire time until he finally did break through, told Steph Curry that he was not going to make it, 
Right. He didn't. There they, was no moment. They negged ever. him. It was, it was like the pickup artist. They negged him the they, whole time. They, they literally were just told, like, eh. like, even when he was a junior at Davidson, they were like, we don't see it. We really don't see it. You know what I mean? And that, that is the approach that you have to take. I really do think so. If you want your kid to be an all timer, you have to neg them into success. You cannot just tell them how great they are and say, I'm passing you the baton and you're going to be a superstar young man. Get ready for the shine that's coming your way. You have to say, you suck and there's no way that you're going to be a star. Look at your frame. Look, look at how much better everyone else is in your grade. This is what they did to Steph Curry, and it has led to all-time success. I think Tim Hardaway did the exact same thing to Tim Hardaway Jr. I, I talked to Tim Jr. about it, and he was like, my dad used to always tell me I wasn't good enough. I, I wasn't going to play in the NBA. I believe that. And, I believe his right. dad. His and, dad's and now cut you get out to the, Now style. you get to the league, and Tim Hardaway Jr. is <laughs> like, I'm playing with Luka. My dad's on TV talking about my coach, and I'm like, shut up, dad. I'll, I'll make things happen on the court. Um so I, I just wanted to reflect on that and say, I think that's the best approach. Um, you know, it's not always, like you said, parent how you parent, but sometimes if you neg your kid a little bit, I think it leads them to, to higher heights. And that's what Del Curry did. That's what Sonia Curry did. And I'm worried that Kyan Anthony in this video, first off, he's watching the video that his dad already made the first 45 seconds in the video. So yeah, he's, he's, he's having the same nostalgia that we're having. Like, man, my dad was sick. And then it flips on his head where he's like, wait a second. <laughs> Now I have to be the guy. What what, is, what happened? I thought we were just saying bye to my dad. Um, life yeah, comes at you fast. Yeah, it, it, and then like I don't know. It's like where you where do you draw the line and start to? It's like LeBron just a, a few years ago. I don't feel like I've seen him say this lately, but was just talking about you know Bronny heir to the throne. My thing is just like just hang back, hang back. Why do we have to word it like this? If they really want it, they're gonna go get it. You don't have to say that they're entitled to anything. Like mm. I, and I don't know. I just. I find it, I just find it interesting. Um, and then, but uh, I was thinking about the Dell thing that you were saying. Yeah. I mean, there's, I think he did an interview with like Rex Chapman who, the, you know, they played together on the Hornets as you, as you know, well, uh, and he was just talking about, uh, Steph in high school and he was like, just, he was bad mouthing him even on that. He was like, he was like, yeah, he just had a weird body and he wasn't <laughs> strong and we just didn't think he, you know, he, yeah. we just thought he was a turd out there. We didn't think it was going to happen. And I just, I I guess since since Steph did, was skinny and things like that, it's like it's a it's a sort of a causality thing where you're like, well, you know, he didn't hold him out. If he had been physically dominant and capable, I'm sure he would have been playing the main stage. So Dell was protecting him for a reason because he was skinny, he was small, he was at a disadvantage. It was an odd situation. Uh, so I guess you can't like you know would Dell have played it a different way if if Steph had been six five, two hundred pounds? You know, probably I would say probably. You would think so, but I, I was looking at the basketball reference, like the Hall of Fame probability, um, and Carmelo is eighth on the list, and the surefires that are that are on right now of active players, right? Surefire guys: LeBron, KD, Chris Paul, Steph Curry. Those are those are surefire. James Harden is one beat below Russell Westbrook, right there. Anthony Davis, then Carmelo Anthony. So Carmelo most likely will be a Hall of Fame player. The thing that's funny to me about the legacy of Carmelo or like the conversation about it is Denver Carmelo is what I like to remember. Like I said, I'm 2000s Melo. That's my guy. But guess who also wears number 15? Maybe the best passing big man of all time. And he also happens to play for the Nuggets, Nikola Jokic. So that hurts the legacy of Carmelo. Um, number two, there was another Melo in the game of basketball and all the kids are in love with him. Love Melo. And they call him Melo. So it is, it has kind of changed like the the conversation when you say mellow now, now it's a, which mellow are we talking about? So that affects the legacy. And then I'm looking at basketball reference and I'm like, what other nicknames does Carmelo have, you know, that he can lean on as far as the legacy. 
this is what they have. They have Mellow, like I said, already kind of co-opted. You have Hoodie Mellow, which is just a social media thing that nobody, you know, that no one's going to call him Hoodie Mellow. There's Sweet Melon. What the hell? Where did this come from? Never in my know. life have That's I heard terrible. someone. No one has ever called him Sweet Melon, and if they did, they should kick that man out of the gym. Um, and then the last one is Mel. Like he's Mel Brooks or something. Um, what are we doing here? What are we basketball doing here? references let us down. All I'm saying is like this video was awesome for the first 45 seconds. I'm worried about passing the baton, but I'm also worried about the legacy because he is the most decorated U.S. basketball player maybe ever. Was very pivotal to the to the Coach K um, three Olympic gold medals. Was one of our most reliable players, if not the most reliable player. And I'm worried that we're not going to remember him in the right light. I'm I'm worried we're not going to remember Syracuse. I'm worried that we're not going to remember Denver. And I'm worried we're not going to remember the USA basketball run. And now we're now we're going to have to remember Kyan Anthony, um, which is I'm not sure if that's the way you play your legacy. That's all I'm saying, Kyle. Man, at the end of the day, when I think about Melo. It kind of does feel like the legacy's in jeopardy because I don't really feel like there's any argument over and, and you know I know there, there's going to be some talk about MJ uh, accolades and and retirements and things like that um, and spotlight retrospective type stuff but it's it's really hard to make any kind of an argument for for Carmelo over Jokic it's not like you can't honor them both but the the number thing is an inconvenience for sure um, I don't know I I just remember. I, I remember for a long, there was a stretch of time there where there were just these, there were these little sort of uh, tertiary things to his actual NBA career that were keeping his reputation afloat. You know, the, the Olympic Carmelo thing, it, there, that went on. How long did that go on? Like where people were like, well, Olympic Carmelo, I was just like, for the love of God, stop saying it was 10 Carmelo. years. It was at least 10 yeah. years, right? From 07 to probably 2017, 2016, 2017. It was just, that was the way that you could frame Carmelo. And Carmelo had his own fan base, you know, where, you know, he had his own shoe line with Jordan. He was a Jordan brand guy. He was one of the first guys that Jordan kind of latched onto, which is also interesting in the LeBron, you know, versus Carmelo thing. It was kind of like Jordan has backed one side of this party, but not the other side. And then now they're at odds going against each other the entire time. Um, and Jordan probably picked the wrong horse there. But in general, um, you know, the USA stuff was the way to kind of, you know, create this caveat where it's like, well, when he's on the court with Dwayne Wade and LeBron James and Chris Bosh and Chris Paul and Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, he looks like the best player or the best scorer or whatever you, however you want to frame it. That, that was the reason why Melo had such cachet. Well, he was set up to be a better version of himself, I, I would say. I mean, like he he was definitely operating off of those guys. Whereas when he was the primary, like I said, like that was always kind of the theme of his career for me was like he, when he was leaning towards the things he liked to do, which is score and have the ball in his hands a whole lot of time. He didn't really flip that into like a lot of playmaking. And that was always kind of my I wish I wish. I always wish that it had been a little bit different, his play style. That was, you know, but he obviously was an incredible scorer. Like you said, he led the league in, in 2012-13. God, what a time. Um, <laughs> it's a great time. What a time. Ten, I mean. Ten years ago. Poughkeepsie guys will never forget that. I mean, you bring him up now, it's like, oh, fucking Bellow's the best. I had a lot going on in 2012-13. I was, <laughs> I was kicked out. I was living in my apartment in uh, uh, downtown Poughkeepsie, uh, and I was just a young dude trying to make it work. But, um, God damn it. I remember that. I was buying newspapers because he was on the front of them and it was fucking awesome. And everybody like nothing really great happened, but that there was a certain time in that year where just everybody remembers feeling good. So he's got you're right. He's got his own fan base. Everyone looks fondly upon that year. 
Kyle, are you like, are you triggered at all by the negativity that I've kind of shored up or like the little nitpicks that I've said here? Like, is that, does that not jive with your memory or are you, are you offended at all by my, by my feelings? I mean, historically I've been a dude that doesn't give a shit about much, so it really didn't bother me, but I just, I just wanted to say that, uh, like, you know, even guys who, who I know who don't watch basketball as much anymore and, and, you know, Dev certainly isn't a career for them. It's like, that's like the default, like, God, you remember 2012, 13, like, <laughs> that's just, uh, it was just special. We all felt pretty good. It just, uh, whatever. Yeah. J.R. Smith, you had a Mon Shumper. They were just a fun team with the Knicks. And then they had, you know, that moment where LeBron in the series against the Knicks, when he saw like Jr. do some like ridiculous alley-oop dunk, he was like, I got to get that guy on my team. Um, it was a baseline windmill. It was like a right. 360 windmill. Right. Yeah. And then LeBron looked at the bench and was like, sign that guy, Pat Riley. He was like, we'll, we'll be on it in the next few years. Little did we know it would end up happening in Cleveland. But yeah, it was a great time in general. And I saw some Knicks fans, online Knicks fans that were saying um, they should retire his number. And I think that's kind of what Kyle is speaking to, where the Knicks just needed something. Like They're like, throw us a bone here. And the fact that Carmelo wanted to play there, was excited to play there, kind of embraced the idea of playing there. Obviously, Omari had his injuries and things like that. You need more than one star in New York, but Carmelo was fine to be the only star, right? A lot of guys are scared to go to New York because they're like, I don't want the bright lights. I don't want to be the only guy. Carmelo was like, I want all the shots. And uh, my favorite memory of Carmelo and the Knicks is when Lynn Sanity was happening. He was so pissed about it. Like, he was <laughs> so mad. <laughs> that, was, that was a great time as well uh, in the Carmelo journey. Um, shout out to Carmelo. We'll pull, we'll pull one out for him tonight. He is a legend in in the OSP landscape, but we were talking about. Oh yeah, one more point, Kyle. I was just gonna very last point, quick. He's he definitely is one of those players that has like the the peer respect. Like, yes, you know, you always he's a hear, hooper, you always, hooper, as they say. Yeah, you always hear other players. They're like even LeBron. I think at one point said Carmelo was the toughest cover in the league, and you know I, that counts. That definitely counts for something. Yeah, Carmelo. Even when he signed with the Lakers last year, he was like. LeBron's always needed me, and granted, they won 33 games, but um, I enjoyed the confidence going into that year. Uh, we talked about second-generation guys, Bronny, Kai, and Anthony. These are the second-generation guys that might actually be um, top picks, and this is a kind of a, we want to introduce these guys, you know, kind of get everyone, you know, up to speed on what's happening in the world of basketball. These are the kids of Carlos Boozer. Of course, you remember Carlos Boozer, a Duke great, a legend, um, ended up playing in the NBA for, you know, 10 plus years, was, you know, a very, and now he's at the ACC Network talking about the game, but his two kids, Cameron and Caden Boozer, they are getting the blue blood offers now. They are getting the attention. They're class of 2025. North Carolina just recently offered a couple days ago. Your Kentucky Wildcats have offered. Of course, Duke has offered. A lot of people expect them to follow their, their dad's footsteps and go to Duke. I have spoken with Mr. Boozer uh, about a year ago, and I asked him if it was a sure thing. He said they're going to have their own recruitment. He's not going to shepherd them in any fashion to any school. I thought that was interesting. We'll see what happens with that. But just just from your vantage point, what do we need to know? What do the people need to know about Cameron and Caden Boozer? Well, I've been amused by the language around this situation where they they they've sort of tried to um dissipate some of some of the conversation by saying uh it's not a lock. I w- I just kind of thought <laughs> that, that was funny. Like, oh, it's not a lock, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's a it's weak pretty, wing, but it's not a lock. Yeah. We're pretty sure that they're going to go to Duke. Um I I don't know I don't know if they're to, if Carlos or if it even matters if he has a relationship with Shire or the staff. I'm sure that he does on some level, but um and I'm trying to think of the overlap. Is Carowell still on the Duke staff or is he not? He I is on remember. the staff. Yeah, Chris Carowell. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Well, um, 
yeah, I mean, well, the, the big thing to know here is that one, they're twins. One is one is big and one is not quite as big. Cam Boozer is the number one player in the class. He's six nine uh, in the class of 2025. And Caden, his brother, is ranked 24th. Nothing to nothing to sneeze at, but he's six three. Uh, I always kind of like. I didn't have this experience because I don't have a brother. Tate, do you have a brother? I forget. You do. I, don't I you? have an older brother. Yeah, four years older. Big time player. Height difference. No, we're about the same. We're both six two. We're about the same. Okay, Kyle and Kyle brothers. Any any brothers for you, Kyle? Oh yeah, you? yeah. We're all over the map. Step half. What do you want? I, I was just curious <laughs> if there was any anybody kind of got height short changed at all. I was just kind of wondering. I said, what do you want? Yeah. Uh, no, we're all uh, tall. Okay. <laughs> no, we're all okay. Tall. Well, I don't know. You just think about, you know, Michael Jordan's younger brother or older brother, Larry. Uh, you know, Larry. Larry is what? His name what, is Larry. Was he like yeah, five, his, his name is Larry. He's five eight, and Michael said if he was his height, he'd be the best player in history. And I mean, he used to take people to school, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, there's footage of him like practicing with the Bulls, and he's doing like two handed windmills and stuff. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, he's he's an athlete. Um, I don't know. I just think it's. It's always t- tough when uh, I didn't experience this, but I can't imagine having, you know, being 6'3 and being like, yeah, I'm a pretty good player. And, you, and your brother is like six inches taller than you. I'd just be like, what the hell, man? Like, I don't know. I, I'd imagine that'd be a, a, a really specific frustration. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of love the idea of them being a dynamic duo, like a NBA jam duo where they're just running pick and roll with each other. Um, I like Cameron's ball handling. I think he's a guy that, you know, will be able to start the break himself, kind of like a Trace Jackson Davis, like what we see with Jokic now at the highest level right in the NBA. So I just think if you forecast their future and you're able to get them as a package deal, then you have something to cook with because they have a connectiveness. If you've seen some of their highlights together, they know how to play with each other. Obviously, they're brothers. Um, So if you look ahead and you're a Duke, you're a Carolina, you're a Kentucky, they're playing in Florida. Um, which kind of that's what I think is so fascinating about their recruitment. They're both in Miami. And, you know, if you look at what Jim Laranaga is doing, you obviously know about Leonard Hamilton. I just think that the new bloods down in Florida, they kind of are closer to these guys. They're going to be able to build relationships with these guys. I expect them to be Nike guys, but I don't think that's a surefire thing, because I think like like we were talking about, I think Carlos Boozer, very similar to Del Curry. I think he's nagging them a little bit. You know, I think he's like, I'm not sure they're that good. Um, number one in the class. I don't know about that. Like he's made some comments like that. Yeah. He's like, they're all right. I mean, we'll see what happens with them. Um, but I think that's going to lend itself to, uh, just a a magnificent recruiting period where Shire, Duke, Nike expect them to come and just show up on the doorstep and say, where are, where are numbers, you know, where, where are our lockers? We're ready to go. But I think they're going to be very high profile guys. And I think Miami is the team that I look at and I say, that might be the sleeper team where both of these course. guys get convinced to go play at Miami. They maybe sign Adidas NIL deals and we're dealing with the situation where they're in ACC playing against Duke and Boozer's at games wearing Miami gear and he's watching oh. his two sh- sons at Miami. And this might be the greatest like redemp- redemption for Carlos Boozer to say, I'm not just a Duke guy. I'm a basketball guy, and this is the best basketball fit. And if Carlos Boozer lets that happen and, and lets these kids make their own decision, Tip of the cap. That's all I'm saying. I, I just, you don't Wait, have redemption? to go to Duke. Redemption that, for what? The haircut or just going just to Duke? Just for going to Duke ever. For, just for being just a part of Duke. it. He's just he like, needs I, to be redeemed. I need to wipe my hands clean of this situation. I got older. I got better perspective. I made a dumb choice as a kid. And now I won't let my own kids have that same situation happen to them. That's what I think does, would be best for their brands. 
does AJ Moye have any kids? Should they be steering clear? Like, are they going to be in the ACC? Maybe if they're in the ACC, we avoid them. You yeah. Know, you don't want to have a repeat. You know, that's they, sort they of They a, end up at Georgia Tech, and that's the showdown. Yeah. It's a Adidas like, showdown between second-generation kids. But I, I really think that uh, Cameron Boozer has number one pick potential, right? I mean, that, that's oh, yeah. how good he is. That, that's what I think we want to put on the radar for people. It's one thing to have Bronny, who's like a top 20 player, or Kyan Anthony, who will probably be a top 30 player in his class. No, Cameron Boozer is the number one player and probably one of the most important players for Team USA, which is something that you and I obviously care about as well. Yeah, Can I ask you a quick said, question? Yeah, please. You, yeah, go ahead, please. You guys have been paying attention for a while, right? College basketball. Is it more often than not, these that twins go to the same place is it like is it like almost unheard of that they don't like uh you know i i could probably see like two intuition right that makes sense in basketball but like football it even happens too like the mccordy guys or whatever i'm just like is it is it almost weird if they don't go to the same place that any, has anyone even thought of them not going to the same place i mean if you think about recent history lopez twins are together at stanford the martin twins are together they go to state they go to nevada uh the thompson twins go together to overtime elite right so the twins in general seemingly want to be together. And I think it might be a red flag if they aren't together, right? You're just kind of like, do these guys hate each other? Because if, if, if one of these schools even just tries to get like the taller one, right? Mm. It's like, that's out. If you didn't offer, if you didn't like talk to both, they're like, well, they're both they're out. Getting, yeah. Half, yeah. They're getting offers as if they're like two of the same guy. Right. Like they're the Martin twins. But like Kyle was saying, I mean, one six, three, one different. six, ten. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. The, you're right on the, um, I mean, the Harrison twins too. You're right on Harrison the height twins. thing in that like um, they usually have sort of like a dissonance in that they play the same position. You know, like the Morris twins at Kansas, they were both like three right. fours basically. So like, and this is an interesting thing. Yeah. Where they, they can play together. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if I can think of twins that didn't go to the same school unless there was like a huge disparity in how they play. I mean, like the Murray twins at Iowa, the Ware twins um, at UCLA, Carolina. Yeah. I mean, yeah, every twins I can think of were pretty much together um, in general. I guess did Hor Horace and Harvey, they both went to Clemson, right? Did they split up? I think they went to the same school, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's typically typically goes down that way. But you set me up to, you know, you're a good host, Tate, Tate, and I'm not a good guest. You set me up to describe his game, and I just totally didn't do it. So I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna circle back and do that for you because I want to be a good steward of your time. Uh, Cam Boozer, I'm gonna make a comp. Okay. Oh, shades people are talking. People are talking. No, no shades. We're going oh. one to one. I'm gonna compare him to someone. I've heard people compare him to Paolo and say say that. I don't I don't know that I go that way because every time I think about a player, and I, I've said this before, but I imagine a uh, like a, a a level like you would use to level a picture frame or a door frame or whatever, and you imagine that bubble in the middle, and on one side is scoring, and on the other side is playmaking, and then there's that spot in the middle. And very few players are like right dead center in the middle. You know, I think LeBron, I think Jokic are kind of right there. They have very balanced games. You know, I think Paolo tilts scoring a little more with playmaking. I think that like Boozer is way more of a natural, intuitive playmaker. He has awesome hands. He has awesome feel. Uh, he can shoot the ball. I looked it up earlier. He's, you know, almost 36% on catch and shoot threes. He's like a 73% shooter at the rim. Ambidextrous passer. I think that we might have another Chris Weber on our hands. Oh. I think that that's, I think that that is, that is who he reminds me of. I think um, he he just I think he's going to be a star. I mean, we'll see. He's he's not one of these like incendiary athletes. Like he's not you know blowing you away, but he's very steady. Great command of his gears at a young age. 
Caden is a really solid player too, really balanced and, and has great feel too. But I think the size is just the thing that makes Cam so uh, significant. You know, if, if Caden were 6'9 and with his skill set, we'd probably feel similarly, but that's just not the world we're living in, Cam. Cam Cam is a very well-rounded player. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of Cade Cunningham, not in the way that they play or their size or any way, but just the way that they carry themselves. They seem very mature. And if you get Cam Boozer in some of these, you know, NBA rooms, front offices, they start asking him questions. And I think they're going to fall in love with him, which is why I think he could be a number one type pick, kind of similar to Paolo Bancaro. And just the way that if you get in front of them, you say, well, this guy's a star. This guy, he, he knows how to handle those expectations. Obviously, it's great to have your dad who played in the NBA to kind of help get you prepared for those expectations. But the first time I saw an interview with Cam Boozer, um, and look, I have my own inherent bias because of his last name. But as soon as I saw the interview, I'm like, I'm, I'm on this kid's team. I like this kid. I like the way he carries himself. He seems like he, he gets it for whatever, you know, whatever that means. Uh, he gets, gets the identity of who he is as a player, forecast well for the future. And if he turns into a Chris Weber type player, we're talking what number one pick, you know what I mean? Which he is, is, he will be, yeah. which will be 2026. Right. Um, I kind of I, I kind of like this theory of like sons of players. I like sons of like good to pretty good players mm-hmm. rather than sons of great players. I, I haven't mapped this all out. I'm thinking of this in the moment, but like or even sons of like just average to good, because like a lot of times those guys seem like they're in a position to sort of build on what their dads did. I know Michael Thompson, Clay Thompson, Michael was a number one pick. That's probably not a good one. But I mean, you know, Clay ended up being a great player. I don't know. I, there's something about that. Melvin Booker, Devin Booker, he builds on it and becomes an even better player. They, Mitchell they, they Wiggins, the, Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Chet, his dad was was a player. I mean, he had a lot of like health problems, couldn't stay healthy at Minnesota. But that's uh, an interesting kind of theory. I'd like to like check out and further vet. But um, yeah, I, I, he could be. I mean, Boozer was Boozer. Did Boozer have an All Star game in his career? He, but he was he was a really solid player for his whole career, like a career starter at the very least. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he probably got in like one of those. Someone's injured. Now he's an All Star. I feel like that's more of like where Boozer's path is to an All Star. But like you said, he was a part of winning teams. He understands the game. He is a really good player, a legendary college player more so than an NBA player, but a a, a good NBA career. And uh, I like the theory because I can't really think of kids of great players that ended up being, you know, superstars. And obviously Jordan is the number one comp. This is why LeBron is pushing Bronny and Bryce so hard, right? Because then in the, in the goat conversation as Stephen A and Skip Bayless debate on different shows, they have to say, well, Michael's kids never played in the NBA. So point LeBron um, in this stupid fictitious uh, debate that continues and will continue until I die probably at this rate. But uh, that is that is like the crux of what, what's happening there um, in general. But there you have it, the boozers. We met the boozers. Get prepared for the boozers. They're coming. They will be here soon. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, 
all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. There was the NBA combine um, this weekend and and has been happening in Chicago, Kyle Mann. Um, you, and I, you were out here last week in Los Angeles. We did some videos with KOC. We were talking to some of our NBA people. We I had some preconceived notions about guys. There were guys at the combine trying to talk me out of certain players. But I, st- I, st- I was steadfast in my belief. And one of those players I wanted to point out is Jordan Walsh of Arkansas. Oh, yeah. Jordan Dig Walsh. In, Tate. Dig in and cook. He is my guy. I just think he's a winning player. He does the little things. Um, and in general... I love the the main Arkansas guys. Obviously, we know about Nick Smith. We know about Anthony Black. They're great players. But I like the other guys. I like the other Arkansas guys. And after I watched some of the combine scrimmages, Ricky Council the fourth already was in love with him because of the name and the history behind it. Also, he's from North Carolina, so you know what that is. Um, and Jordan Walsh. I like the other guys from Arkansas. Those two guys. I think are going to be um, contributing players at the next level. I think that they have added value and have moved up draft boards, have gotten some people saying, oh, interesting. I kind of like this guy. Um, and I just wanted to, to first point those out, and then we can run through some other names we heard this weekend. But Jordan Walsh, Ricky Council the fourth, you have my attention, and I'm pulling for you guys. And I'm not saying you're going to be better than Nick Smith and Anthony Black because they're, they're different talents. But I just think as far as being productive players in the league, they're plug-and-play type guys. And they're going to do things that get you uh, to go, oh, wow, this guy really knows how to, how to play basketball. So those two guys I wanted to mark first and foremost. I'm disappointed because you kind of traced the parameters of a strong take here, Tate, and you didn't go for it. You didn't go all the way. <laughs> if, you lo- if you love Ricky Council that much and you have that much effusive things to say about him, I figured you'd go ahead and just see the, the obvious lane here, which is I think Ricky Council's going to be the best pro. I don't mm. think that's like 
Let's let, okay. I think Anthony Black will be the best pro, but I mean, it's that's the problem. See, I wanted to go harsh on that take, but then I didn't want to spend ten years on Twitter with people being like, "Did you see Anthony Black's stat line last night? Another triple double! What an idiot!" <laughs> Top twenty player by year three or bust. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think if I have one that people keep that like come back and and just hit me with all the time. I'm trying to remember. I don't know. There people was one hit me with Luca and Marvin Bagley. I, I was like, I think Marvin Bagley. You were just start. a bit of a dick about Luca. I mean, you were like a little I just, bit. Of, I didn't like the tape. I didn't like. I didn't like the fact that people were throwing Euro, Euro League tape. He's in a my basketball face. nationalist. I found out that's really yeah. what it is. Look, I just oh, love wow. Team USA, and I'm fighting the good <laughs> make fight. American make American basketball great again. I'm, I'm, the hat. I feel like I'm standing on the front lines, and no one's listening to me. I'm storming Normandy, and no, no one came with me. He knew it was Doncic, and he was go, he was rolling <laughs> with Doncic for as long as he could. <laughs> well, Donkic. you got to be good enough for me to know your name, and then guess what? First year, he got my respect. I was like, okay, take it all back. Guy's pretty good. Did I ever tell you about like um, when I made a video about Luca and in the video I like had I looked up how to pronounce you know I was like Luca Doncic. That's how you you do the French thing where you say the O in the back of your mouth and then you say Ljubljana Slovenia. So I like looked that up and and pronounced it, tried to get it right. And I had so many Slovenian people reach out to me and be like, dude, thank you so like they were like so thankful that I bothered to get it right. That like I was like, then I felt this pressure of like okay well I've set this precedent of me saying it correctly mm-hmm. I was like save the international uh, basketball world one player well at I time. was I was yeah well I've, from that point forward Luca's obviously not going away he's just getting more and more prevalent and prominent everywhere and I'm having to say his name a lot and I'm like trying to find this middle ground between Americanizing it by saying Luca Doncic or not like going full phonetic you know accuracy. But then I just started getting these people mocking me, like, "Well, you seen it that like?" And I was like, "I." So I got mm. caught between this ridicule I was catching from Americans, where they were like, "You try hard, blow hard," you know. Uh, and then like the Slovenians who were happy with me, and I stuck. I kind of tried to find a middle ground where I was in it. But anyway, see, I'm trying uh, to placate the American fans that are like, I, I, "I'll say it how I want to say it." That's that's what I'm going for. I'm going for Team USA. But go ahead. Yeah. So what are what are some other names from the combine that's today? <laughs> well, I, gonna, I like the idea of an American basketball nationalist. Like, <laughs> are we gonna end up with like are we gonna end up with like ATN for or like Fox Fox mm-hmm. News for American basketball? I guess you could just call that racism. I'd say that would fall <laughs> under the umbrella. No, or it's xenophobia. Well, okay, it's, it's, xenophobia. it's xenophobia. It's not racism. <laughs> Sorry, Tate. I didn't mean to do that. I jumped. To, I forget. We are we are a country of many tribes and tongues. Uh, so. <laughs> All right, sorry, I got succession on the brain with the ATN thing. Uh, I'll I'll take it to we'll take it away. I appreciate you digging in on Jordan Walsh and all his haters. Be damned, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I was just gonna kind of I always like the uh, the combine measurements thing. For me, is not sort of you'll hear people talk about it and sort of foam at the mouth, and it can you'd almost get the impression that it's their end all be all. Uh, the measurements thing is sort of e- either like a, a differentiator for me. It's just a fun thing. I like to see how guys measure, and uh, I like to see their vertical, their hand size. Um, first of all, I just want to highlight something that would perceivably be obvious here, but Zach Eady is huge. He's fucking huge. He had he he measured at seven three without shoes. He is a seven foot ten and a half wingspan, nine nine seven and a half uh, reach, uh, and then the other one that I wanted to point out is a guy that we both are a big so Zach Eady, huge guy. Take I know you know that from firsthand experience. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so big, literally just like hovers over bathroom stalls, like uh, the scariest yeah. thing you've ever seen. I am the sky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Trace Trace Jackson Davis is the other one that I wanted to highlight all year. I'd been watching this guy 
palm the ball and swing it around like he was like on NBA Live or something. Like he he could just like effortlessly swing this thing around like he had Spider Man hands, uh, ten ten inch and three quarter wide hands. So this dude has gigantic hands. Uh, those those are two just kind of measurement call outs. There are other guys through here that are like really uh, interesting. Leonard Miller is another guy who's six nine without shoes. He has ten and a half inch hands and a seven two wingspan. Another guy who like projects as an athlete. And your guy, uh, Jordan Walsh. I had it in front of me. Let me see if I can pull it back up here. Jordan Walsh measured out too. He's a guy that's going to be just a, a terror, a pain in the ass perimeter defender. So I expect uh, the, even more confirmation for our theory that he's going to be a, a solid defensive player in the NBA. Yeah, the number one thing that I look at in the combine when you look at the measurements is hand size. That's the only thing I really care about because hand size takes you to another level and it adds such a great dimension to your game, especially if you're a big man. And when you get double teamed in the post and you have the ability to keep one guy off of you, but be able to make a decision with the other hand. You don't need two hands on the ball. I think that's always impressive. There's some other names that I saw that that kind of jumped out that maybe people don't really talk about too much. Seth Lundy um, from Penn State had a great uh, couple days of scrimmages. He was a name that was thrown out quite a bit. Um, my guy, Terquavion Smith um, from NC State, he got some... Bucket uh, getter. Yeah, he got some great feedback, and he looked great. I mean, I'm so glad that he went back to NC State. I feel like he needed another year to mature. He looked more prepared for the combine. Even our guy, Ryan Rosillo, um, who was there, right? Rosillo was in Chicago. Oh, come on. You knew of course. he was there. Of course he was there. I mean, All those like innocuous scene, events, man. he's there. Yeah, he, uh, I used to, my favorite times at the NBA Combine when it was like Ryan Rosillo sitting on the desk, Fran Fraschilla next to him, and then they were just like fighting for airtime like live on the air. It was basically like a battle royale for like who can make like who's two years away. What guy just gave you that feeling of just like he's a star, things like that. I mean, and, and for Shilla and Rosillo were like about to fist fight about their takes live at the combine. That was a good era of the combine. But this time I, I appreciated like the takes. There were so many people that were there. Mojave King, a G League Ignite guy. I saw his name. That's a fucking name. That is a great name. And Incredible it was popping up name. all over the place. And he should have played college basketball because he'd be an even bigger star right now. But that was another name I saw uh, thrown out there. Um, and then the, the last one, Ben Shepard from Belmont. Um, who's a guy who played four years of college basketball. I just think he's a winning type player. And that's what I was realizing the combine. You could see guys that were testing the waters, a guy like Norchad O'Meara, who decides to come back to Miami. And then you could see guys that were, you know, ready for that moment and already in their mind had decided to make the leap. You know what I mean? And and Shepard obviously played four years, so it's done anyway. But he just looked like a pro already. I'm not sure he's going to be in the NBA. He might end up overseas. But those were the guys that I kind of flagged in general just to say, hey, you had a great combine. You had a great week. There was there was a nice little, you know, kind of media PR spin on what you had going on. Um, and then the last one, P.J. Hall. Uh, I know that, you know, people think he's going to come back to Clemson, but I thought he looked really solid. I, I, I liked what I saw from him. Uh, anybody else, Kyle, man, that stood out to you, even in the measurables that, that you're just like, I don't know, I like this guy. He seemed like he, I, I didn't really have him on my radar, but now I, I, he's someone I got to keep an eye on. Uh, no, no, like serious, serious movers. I yeah. mean, uh, yeah, I mean the, um, the thing I had heard, I had heard some sort of, uh, whispers that Mojave King had sort of, uh, represented himself well. Uh, but, uh, no, I mean, I, you, you covered it pretty, pretty well there. Yeah. Well, there you go. And then Andre Jackson was the only, uh, first round pick that played in the scrimmages or presumed first round pick that played. So that was already, 
um, a conversation point. And then Olivier Prosper from Marquette was another name that I wanted to throw out. I saw him rising on board, so maybe he's a late first round, early second round stuff. Um, so there you go, the combine. Uh, we're running out of time here. Time is just flying by because we spent 30 minutes on Carmelo Anthony because he deserved it. He he retired. It today. happens. We had to we had to we had to pay our respects. So let's just go to shout outs, and then we'll we'll use the shout out time to kind of shout out some of the other things that were happening in the world of basketball. One thing I wanted to shout out, Kashad Johnson. Um, who many people thought was going to end up a Wildcat, ends up a different Wildcat. He decides to go to Arizona instead of Kentucky. Um, you know, he was a West Coast guy coming from San Diego State, but he went to Kentucky, had this amazing vis- visit. That was kind of all the the feedback coming out of it. A lot of expectation he was going to end up a Kentucky Wildcat. He decides to go with Tommy Lloyd in Arizona. Kyle, man, you're in Kentucky. Uh, any any boots on the ground? What are people feeling about the roster construction of this team? Because some people in the college basketball circles have uh, raised some questions about what's happening with Calipari and Kentucky this offseason. Well, Tate, uh, lately it's it's been sort of a roller coaster ride this season. Of you know, you have this season that's very up and down and frustrating. It seems like they get it together, but there was always sort of this saving grace of looking on the horizon and being like, oh, "I got that number one class coming in," and you know, you think about guys coming back and you think, "Oh, that's gonna be good." I felt an increasing uh, kind of uh, queasiness among the UK fan base of like, hey man, like this, this we're not sure what's going to happen here. You know, you miss out on some of the big transfers that you were after. It would have been nice to pick up. Uh, now you got, uh, you know, Oscar. We thought he was gone, might be coming back. Um, overall, the fact that this is sort of a weaker class too, I think people are starting to sort of realize, like, hey man, like the the rankings don't mean the same thing every single year. Like a number one class, like 2013 is another class that was like this, like the high school class. Um, They came in and they weren't quite the same as like the 2012 class that like was a freshman-led team that, you know, took them to the national championship. On Kashad, I felt like I, I I mean, I kind of feel like I was among the people that I talked to, I felt like I was probably among the, mo- the more pessimistic. I, w- I wasn't really liking the fit, I guess, on the grounds of like a front court depth thing, which could end up being an issue for them. Uh, if it ends up just being Bradshaw, who I don't think is a true five, who I don't think is going to protect the rim the way that people think he's going to next year. Um, if you're thinking about it that way, you need somebody that's a little more experienced down there. It's going to be like positionally solid and not make as many mistakes. I understand that argument, but he's a total non-shooter. He only scores around the basket. Uh, I kind of I'm fine with it. I, I didn't really think that he was a good fit at UK. I'm I'm not. I, it seems like a prototypical cow guy to put out there. Like if you were going to put a non-shooting four out there, I at least want him to be able to handle the ball like a Jacob Toppin or something. I just don't understand the, the Johnson fit. It didn't it didn't make sense from a fit standpoint. So maybe that's good news for Kentucky fans. So he ends up going to Arizona, which I feel like is more of a fit for what he wants to do next year. And then Lance Ware was the other big name for Kentucky. Um, I, I should have mentioned that he's left. That's another part of the depth thing. Yeah, right. Lance and then Wheeler he goes leaving. to another yeah. Wildcats. Kind of smart. If you have any Wildcats gear, you can repurpose it. Um, and and now he's going to go play for Villanova. Um, and now uh, Sheboy is kind of, we talked about Edie and Purdue fans are getting a little tight thinking about the fact that maybe Edie decides to go to the NBA. I don't think that's going to happen. But Sheboy is the fascinating one because, like you said, there's an expectation he does come back to college basketball. But he also, in his, I, I was reading some of his quotes, he seemingly, it seems like he's past college basketball with with his mindset. I'm not sure that's what the league is telling him to do. But I, I think if he doesn't come back, then we have a real panic button moment for Kentucky fans. Um, but 
Wanted to flag that because those transfers are matriculating out there and there's a lot of conversation going on. Another big transfer. Kyle's very excited about this. Um, and so is the rest of the basketball world. Seth Towns, um, eighth year. He's going to be at Howard next year. Um, so we'll be tuned in. Starts his career at Harvard. That was the same year I started doing a college basketball podcast. We are eight years later, and uh, he is now going to play at Howard for the last year. I saw Desmond Bain, a guy who played four years in college, quote tweeted it with just the the simple question, how, um, which I think is how most people probably feel about this. How is this possible? Kyle, man, will you be watching Seth Towns? And, and do you think he has a chance at an NBA career once he gets his AARP card? Uh, I'll put the NBA discussion on hold for now, but like okay. the, I mean, I, I'm kind of like amazed. I mean, is he gonna is he gonna have a doctorate? Uh, you kind of you kind what kind of degree situation are you walking out of college I mean, with between if, Harvard if and Howard? The, you would think, right? Yeah, Ohio State. It's a very Tommy boy thing where he's like, you know, I graduated after seven years, and he's like, most people call those people doctors. You know what I mean? I I hope Seth Towns by the end of this is a doctor or at least a dentist yeah. or something. <laughs> Physical therapist, and, and, yeah, <laughs> yeah his, a PA. Uh, I, I assume know. in his like exit interview, he's going to say, you know, he's going to say, we're going to show this world a thing or two and then sort of fall down drunkenly on a coffee table and break it. I think we should just keep with the keep with the theme here. Why right. not? Go ahead. He's our Tommy boy. He's our guy. Um, I think he's Kyle's guy because eight years in college, that's just legendary stuff. I don't know how you get away with it. And apparently he has another year of eligibility. So like a cat has no. nine lives. Seth Towns has nine years in college. <laughs> we're, so. we're so close to a decade. Yeah, he's got to go ahead and just push it, push it on out. Let's see if we can do it. Let's see if we I, can I go Howard all a great year and they make the tournament and they push a one seed right they, they're in the 16-1 game and it's like I think Towns has got to come back because this team really could be something special next year what's the parameters of a generation how many years is a generation is it is it is there is it like 12 years 10 years what's the 18 maybe uh, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know I don't know I don't what what is well, it what is it I, I don't know I mean I, I'd say I think 12 to 18 seems about right but if you're set Towns Let's keep. He's the better part of a generation. Right. I think. <laughs> Just keep sitting in hardship waivers. You know, it's like I had a tough year this year. I wasn't my full self. I'll be back hundred percent. Um, you know what I mean? Wikipedia that, says twenty to thirty years. Is a generation uh, during oh, which right. children are born and grow up, become adults, and begin to have children. So it's yeah all okay. Right. All right, we're close. We're close. We're half a generation. Can he- can era. you go on Maybe like a Mormon era. mission or something and go ahead and just extend this out to 10? Like he's, you know, <laughs> going to be like a like a 33-year-old man out there on the court or something? Transfer yeah. to BYU, switch religions, go go do, pull the Stillman White, then come back. You have two more years. I think there's a chance we keep him in, in the fold. And I will say when he leaves, I'm worried uh, because my entire run of podcasting has been with Seth Towns playing college basketball. You don't basketball. know what it's like without him. I don't, I, I don't know what it's going to feel like. It might be different. Do? Um, shout out to, uh, Adam Silver and Bob Iger. They were talking to each other in the middle of the Lakers game. It felt like they were having a moment, a panic moment of like, oh my God, is Nikola Jokic going to ruin this? And it looks like he is, uh, nuggets are up three Oh in the series. Kyle, man, what do you think they were talking about? Uh, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people online, uh, wondering, thinking is Adam Silver trying to get to Disney? Um, we're talking about the script, Tate. Don't you know? Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe he's talking about this. <laughs> he's like, "Are we in the third act right now?" And Bob Iger's like, "What are you talking about?" Uh, I mean, I don't know. Were they talking about Andor? Were they talking mm. about how terrible Quantumania was? Uh, that was something I was kind of peeping last night on Disney Plus. Uh, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Um, 
maybe Iger trying to the switch jobs? Could we just do where they just thinking, you know, what if we just swap jobs? Maybe yeah. that's a possibility. I like that. I like the trading places. I think if Bob Iger took over the NBA, we'd all be a lot happier. I'm not going to lie. I think it, I think it would be a very not saying Bob Iger has all the answers, but I think he would lay the hammer down. Um, John Morant, 40 games. Um, Hunt, that's his first act. JJ Reddick banned from media. Second act. <laughs> Um, he just starts going at people's necks. You know what I mean? That, I think that's what Bob Iger does from day one. And uh, I would watch. I would enjoy. It would be good. Um, let's see. What else What else do we have here, shout-outs-wise? Oh, yeah, Jimmy Butler versus Nikola Jokic. Are we excited about this? I'm pretty fired up. This is a uh, uh, best-case scenario for the basketball, the true, pure basketball fan, the way these teams are playing, the way their stars are playing. I know that it's not Celtics-Lakers, but are, are we both on the same page there? I'm pretty excited about this. Even though it may be a week off, I think it'll be good. Uh, I think Miami's going to have a hard time guarding Denver. Just, I mean, as we've seen that like they can just pick people apart. Their overall chemistry is incredible. And we saw the Lakers' defense perform really above their... Well, they, just, they perform well in the playoffs, and Denver is still picking them apart. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, I expect Denver to win that. You don't want to get ahead of yourself and just assume that uh, that you know both teams are gonna you know not gonna overcome O three deficits. I, I think we could probably probably pretty safely assume that, but you don't want to get too carried away. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of comes down to a question of who who is him. You know, I know we've had a lot of mm. conversations about that. It 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 feels fitting that the two uh, prime candidates to be him or to be considered him are going to be meeting in the finals. Is this a battle for the championship, Tate, or is it a battle for who is him? Really? I think it's who a great say? I think it's a great conversation piece in general. And I think that both these guys will be deserving of the the NBA championship. I am worried about the fallout if Jokic were to win. Um, you know, I feel like the the hyperbole is going to be insane where, you know, people are going to say you know, Jokic over Giannis, Jokic top 10 all time. And I, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve those conversations, but I think, you know, we're, we're actually more, we're, we're building our way to the real future of the NBA, which is Nikola Jokic versus Giannis Antetokounmpo. I don't know what team Giannis ends up with. He may stay in Milwaukee, and I don't think the NBA wants him to, but I think those two guys are both 28 years old. They're both on this path, like where it's going to converge at some point. And we're going to have them playing each other. And it's going to be skill versus force. It's going to be at the highest level. It's going to be amazing basketball. I can't wait for it to happen. And I think Jimmy's like the first iteration of what's what's ahead. And maybe Giannis goes to Miami and plays with Jimmy. Um, And it's kind of like uh, Dwayne Wade, LeBron, um, but in the future where it's like Jimmy and Giannis versus Jokic and whoever else he can get to go play with him in Denver. Um, But I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, and what that may look like in the future. Um, I think that's all my shout outs. Oh yeah. One last shout out. Um, shout out to Jalen green. He went on podcast P pod Paul George's podcast and, uh, said that he has burner accounts. And I just wanted to say, if I'm at the NBA combine and I am working in the front office, I'm asking the question because if you have burner accounts, you're off the board, a hundred percent off the board. I don't care how talented. If, if Victor Wimbanyama came and said, I have burner accounts, and I and I have the number one pick. He's off the board, and people are like, "What? what? <laughs> yes, off the board." Could that be like a breach of contract? It's a it's a loser energy. It's like oh, we found out you're if smoking Brian in your apartment. Cal- you got to leave. Colangelo is doing it. We you cannot be doing it. That's just a fact. And I think KD. I know a lot of people say, "What about KD?" KD got rid of the burners. He said. He says, "I believe he did. I think he had to. It's bad for your brain." That's what his other burners say too. Right? <laughs> yeah. He's definitely off. It's the actually burners. him tweeting it from his. <laughs> He's burners. definitely off the burners. Son of a guys. bitch. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's 
it's a thing where like um you know like katie yeah being like out brazen just out in the open like like battling with people like i it's funny how like when he was doing it on the burners i was like yeah that's pathetic but then when he was doing it himself like just being like yeah i just want to watch the world burn screw it like i'll i'll argue with you in the pettiest way out here i don't i don't i'm a troll you know i'm shit posting basically on twitter um I it amuses me. It's funny how like it can go from one extreme to the other. I'm just like, yes, yeah, this, this is hilarious. He's owning it. But but whereas if you're doing it in secret, there's just something kind of like insecure about it. I guess that's the big thing, you know. Because why do you why do you use a burner? You go out there because it it, it a implies that you are acutely aware of the conversation going on out there. You know, everybody says I don't read, I don't check it out. You know, what percentage of people really don't read anything? Three percent. If you have a pu- three. Three percent of people don't read. Everybody else reads. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like um, if you have a public facing d- job, you know, and you know, to a lesser extent, you and I do. And if you're just aware that people are out there saying shit about you, it's hard every once in a while to not be like, you know, just go seek it out. I mean, it seems like a terribly unhealthy thing to do. But if you're as famous as somebody like KD or, or Jalen Green, you know, I. <laughs> The, the temptation to go check it out would be really hard because it would you wouldn't really have to go looking very hard, right? It, it'd be out there. Yeah, if you just Google your name, I think you're going to see the commentary. I mean, I just imagine someone like Julius Randle Googling his name during the Knicks series against the Heat. I mean, that, that would be tough, you know? That might be a, a world in which where I, as your president of operations, say, Julius, you can start a burner account tonight. But I'm just talking about preemptively before the draft. That is a question that needs to be asked because it is a red flag. And if you're Jalen Green, you're too good of a basketball player. Don't read what these idiots are saying. Don't listen to the idiots. Don't listen to the 12-year-olds, really, um, unless that motivates you. And if that's the case and you're like Jimmy Butler and you're wired that way, read all the 12-year-olds' comments. It's kind of like whatever is best for you, but just don't do it on a burner. I don't like it. I think um, if your life is cool, like if your life is cool, if what you do is cool, it's actually, I don't mind you arguing with people online, but like, You know, if it's somebody like Colin Coward or like Bill, like that looks weird. But I mean, you know, they, they're they're by definition, they're sitting around most of the day, you know, doing stuff. But this guy's, you know, scoring points and, and going to parties and stuff like that. I think that guy should be able to argue online. Me, I just I DM people. Fuck you. That's what I do. That's a good, that's a good. <laughs> Sometimes I say worse things. And usually I don't. But I'm saying when I when I'm ready to and I'm like, today's the Hold day. On. Today's the day. I'll just DM and be like, fuck you. Yeah, Instagram is like the, if you go to your request on Instagram and then you see like the long paragraph about why you're an idiot and why you should never be on Bill Simmons' podcast, I think that's the time yeah, where SMD. you privately can say fuck you. you SMD, I mean? yeah. Yeah, that's I don't fine. care if you screenshot this. I don't look like, a, like right. an asshole. Tweet it. it. Tweet it. <laughs> Wait, don't, Kyle, don't get a burner. I'm curious. Again. I'm curious about something. The way you phrased that made it sound that you were like being the aggressor. Like you, someone said something about you and you DM them. Like, or was it like a strike back? They yeah, yeah. Like it would be like a mention at me, you know, and, 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 you know, I, I, out of a thousand of these, maybe one of them gets a reply or something, but it's just like when I'm like ready to be like, actually, here's why you're wrong. Blah, blah, blah. This is, you know, this is why it takes this long. Actually, when you're uploading podcasts, it takes 30 minutes where I can't even do anything because it's fucking processing and then uploading and then processing again. Fuck you. So basically, instead of doing all that, I'll just, I'll just email, I'll just DM them. Fuck you. And that's it. And then they get their response. I get my, you know, proverbial rocks off. And uh, then it's not out now. It's not all out in the open, but it's not on a burner either. It's just, you get a private message from me. Fuck you. Yeah. And that's like better than a cameo. That's better than a cameo, to be honest. (laughs) That's an honor. Yeah. Yeah. It's like look what I look what I did. I got Kyle to say fuck me, and uh, and then they go home happy. They're yeah. like, I talked to Bill's producer. It wasn't the best conversation, <laughs> but I got my I got my points heard. Yeah, he responded, he retorted, and we let it be. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a 
it's a sh- it's the shake of the hand. It's the modern handshake. Yeah, I think my life's yeah. not cool enough to do that uh, in the public sphere. So you know, right? That's what I mean. But I if you're Kevin so- Durant, just quote tweet him, blast Go him. Go ahead. Yeah, we'll all give you the likes. We'll give you the retweets. And look, fight the twelve year olds as best you can. Sometimes you got to log off. As the as the twelve year olds would say to you, sometimes you got to touch grass. Um, right. But <laughs> that's that's it. Just don't do it on a burner. That's all I gotta say. Right. Just do it. My, uh, do it on your account, Palo Bancaro. Just be like. You know, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's wrong with that? <laughs> My move is if somebody is, if somebody's being like, especially just being a dick to me, like on Twitter, I, I my move is to pin it on the glass and let everybody else deal with it. Like, mm. I, you don't have to say much, you know, if, if you feel like you're totally like, if I screw something up, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm going to acknowledge that I screw up all the time. I'm wrong all the time. But like, if, if it's somebody just being like in a, like way over the edge, I usually just quote tweeted and say something very simple. And usually if you, if you have people, if you have friends, they'll usually just, you know, they'll, they'll kind of just file in and do your dirty work for you. You don't have to do it. Yeah. That's my, typically. my friends are the worst. Cause they, they find the, the troll tweets and they just text them, them to, to me. Yeah. yeah. Just in case you didn't oh, see yeah, that. Just in case you missed, in case you missed in it. In case you've been trying to be healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, Oh, perfect. Perfect. Oh Yeah. I get I get a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I get a lot of text no, no. that says "good point" and it's like Tate sucks. Get this guy off the, off the fucking mic, and he's like, "Great point." I'm like, "Thanks, buddy." <laughs> I've been doing a great job. A I've been doing a great job. My dad was like, "Boy, people really fucking hate you." Huh? I was like, "Dad, what the fuck?" <laughs> Like, what? Right. I haven't seen any of this. What are you talking right. about? I was like, yeah, well, I mean, you know, right. the forums. Uh-huh. It's like, don't check the forums, Dad. Don't look he's like, at, don't he's look like no, right. you shouldn't check the forums, buddy. I'm right. just looking for you. I'm like, right. okay. Oh, man. Okay. I have people send them to me. Like, I, there was one, there's one legendary one that, like, I, I've been sent this a million times. And it was a, th- <laughs> it was a thread that just said, it said in all caps, who the fuck is J. Kyle Mann? And the people will throw <laughs> it at me like it's an insult. I think it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I wanted to frame it and put it in my office, but my wife wouldn't let me do it because we have, a, you know, we have a kid now but um i don't know i i think it's good to have some friends in your life who send you that shit like i think yeah it's, i think it's amazing Maybe a little picture book of, <laughs> Keep, of keeps you grounded i think next time you get aggregated by like nba central or whoever you just comment underneath it who the fuck is kyle man <laughs> with like the screenshot of that but it's from yeah. you yeah that'd be great i think it's great yeah. yeah you just gotta you just gotta go head in you know what i mean see what happens shout out to the haters obviously they got their attention today sometimes they win sometimes they get it done and uh just don't have a burner, kids. Let it go. Let it go. Um, any more shout outs, Kyle? Anything else happened to you this weekend? You all right? Everything good? Yes. Yeah, shout out to um, shout out to uh, Seth Towns again. He's the, he's getting the Bronny James treatment on the college basketball Google News tab. Thanks for that. Um, but I, uh, three pages in, I found that uh, John Moran's sister, and now she's going to Mississippi Valley State. So that's the first thing that wasn't Seth Towns' eighth year. And then uh, the other one I thought was, you know, I was like, you know what? This is getting me nowhere. Let me just Google St. John's. That's a that's a gold mine, right? Um, their their last uh, coach, Mike Anderson, seeks forty five million dollars from St. John's. He was uh, his buyout was eleven point four million, and he's got thirty two thirty four point two million. He's seeking in punitive damages, saying that uh, he said, he was, "I'm gonna I'm gonna get my restitution." He was fired sure. with cause, but he says it's fictitious cause. So. Um, well, that'll be interesting. The call, flag. The, the calls was pretty much Rick. Pitino. Rick Pitino's coming. I think any judge, any court in the country could throw that out on the grounds of Rick Patino. That could be the conclusion. They should be like, <laughs> you know, damn well, uh, you were right. parking in the wrong parking lot. You're fired. The, the defense attorney <laughs> for St. John's is just going to have a picture of Rick Patino in a white suit at MSG and just, just say, look at it this. Up. Just look at yeah. this. Look at this. Isn't this amazing. Uh, and I think they're going to win that case. No, I, I just the pay Mike Anderson. In a, in a serious note, just pay Mike Anderson. Pay him $40 million? No, 
pay him like fifteen. Okay. Pay him fifteen to be like he gets he gets the money he deserved. He was late in his career anyway. Who knows if the next opportunity is there? He he gets what he deserves. So if he, he didn't owed, do a bad job, if he owed if he was owed eleven million dollars for the buyout, that means he like had a kind of a bunch of years left, right? Yeah, I think he had three or four more years. Yeah, because yeah. the coach of St. John's, who you know wasn't super hot, wasn't going to be making like ten million a year or seven million a year, right? So. Definitely had a couple years there. Yeah, Mike Anderson changed the culture a little bit. He got some good players. Soriano obviously staying the captain of the team. So in general, Mike Anderson deserves some respect. Give him $15 million. Don't drag this out. Don't hurt Rick Pitino's legacy. Um, but those are great shout outs, Kyle. I'm, I'm happy that you're here. I'm happy. And then I saw the group chat. There was a fight happening, oh right? Oh, my in God. The- in, in the, in I the left that group, group chat. chat. I didn't. It was making me sick to my stomach. There was. It was a whole thing. Like I told you, the two factions didn't totally get along, and um, one of the guys was like, the guy who set up the whole thing was like, "Hey, p- upload all your stuff from the bachelor party to a shared album," and uh-huh. blah blah blah. And the one 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 Poughkeepsie guy was like, "How do I do it? How do I do it?" And they were like, "Here, here's how you do it." He's like, "What the fuck are you guys talking about?" One guy called him a dumbass. He is oh. like, oh, shut the fuck up. And he was like, you better shut the fuck or I'll smack you like your friend smacked you. And then he was like, oh, oh, you can't beat me. I'm a whole foot taller than you. And it just got, it started, I'm like, and I'm just getting these notifications while I'm working. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then, and and then, then, there's and then it was like, I'll see you. Left the group. And it was like, I'm going to see you in a couple weeks. And then I was like, wow, this took a turn. I just left the group. Um, I got added back into it somehow. Somebody was looking for their phone charger and I left it again. So um, I saw that one of the guys who was causing trouble was kicked out of that group. So maybe that'll... Maybe that'll all dissipate, but this was all over a shared photo album and one guy calling another guy a dumbass, which I thought dumbass is pretty much a harmless, yeah. pretty harmless you gotta word. You got to get over that. Yeah. It's a harmless phrase, but I it's guess with the, I guess there was some some feelings from the uh, from the group house. So uh, <laughs> we'll see about that. I really hope that uh, we don't have to like meet up behind the fucking bleachers the night before my wedding, <laughs> straighten us out. But uh, <laughs> well, I'm gonna make sure to have a drone camera just kind of conveniently <laughs> in the area for it, that. Dude. I'm just picking the winning side. That's all I know. I'm going to wait for the fight to break out. And then whoever wins, I'm going to, I'm going to settle up with that side. I I think the Poughkeepsie boys are, that's where, that's where my house money's on. But Kyle thinks that the city, yeah, the, the, the city boys, uh, Kyle thinks the city boys. There's a couple more of the city boys, but again, Uh, I don't know how, I don't know how inclined all of them are to fight. I think they might be a little more mature than the Poughkeepsie boys. So, I mean, I really, it's a toss up, but, um, yeah, I don't. Oh, Shout out man. to those guys. I don't know. I, I think it's crazy. You can't delete a group chat that you started. Mm. That's what I was like. People are like, oh, just remove so-and-so for the thing. I was like, no, man, I'm trying to just shut the whole shit down. Right. Uh, because I was the one who created it like months ago. Um, so I, I guess this you can't. This is your Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, you can't, it's coming you can't back kill to that thing. You. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Love it. Which is an interesting, uh, I, it's an interesting kind of battle of the boozer boys. Cause you know, I was, when I saw that on the, on the docket, I kind of thought you were talking about Kyle's, you know, bachelor party. <laughs> so which, which is the more noteworthy, you know, this week, you know, we can have people weigh in the Caden and Cam, or is it Kyle's, you know, uh, Kyle's war going on over his wedding. I'd be more I worried about Saturday, Tate, because the day after is that's, that's, there's a, you know, big cookout. Uh, you know, there won't be like, you know, tables separating people. It'll just sort of be a conglomerate. There's a, there's actually a quarter of a uh, quarter basketball court there. So there's just kind oh. of a little patch of, patch of oh, asphalt wow. with a. Am I going to have to play basketball? Well, I'm not saying you're going to have to. I'm just saying there's going to be, you know. I think I'm going to have to play. You know, yes. It might be, uh, 
Yeah, bring your bring your ball kicks, I guess. But uh, I'm just saying, it's not going to be as formal and as seated a thing as. Uh, as the I wedding, feel like so. the blacktop is the perfect place for a fight to break out. <laughs> there's, and, there's been uh, plenty on that blacktop. I, I just got to make sure, cook- like I said, I'm on the winning team. I don't want to get in a fight. I just want to be like there as it all breaks out, and uh, yeah, and then we'll talk about it on the live podcast. tweeting it like Woj. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll get some content out of this. Cookouts spiritually kind of have like a little machismo energy anyway. You yeah, know, you're, you're you're standing around. You got a beer in your hand. You know, maybe you know the uh, the warm. blood alcohol yeah. kind of creeps up. Sweating you know? a little bit. Yeah. Shirt comes mm. off. Maybe I don't know. And when it's hot out, people lose their minds. <laughs> you know what I mean? Heat is like the number one instigator when it comes to just like problems, especially when it comes to fighting. Fifty so. said it's hot outside. That's a good enough reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As we, I mean, we saw it and do the right thing, right? The heat is always a factor, and uh, you you throw in a blacktop. I mean, we're gonna have problems. I can't wait. We're gonna do a show um, leading into the wedding with Kyle, where Kyle um, explains where his head's at and things like that. So it's gonna be fun. We're gonna be boots on the ground in New York, and then we'll do our show on Monday in New York. This is two weeks away, um, but a nice like precursor for what's ahead. Uh, Kyle, man, anything else before we get out of here? I think we covered it all, Tate. We covered it all. That was that was solid stuff. Yeah, it was good. Shout out to Carmelo Anthony. Shout out to his son. Uh, we're big fans. We're pulling for you. We want the legacy to sustain, to to outlast, whatever word you want to do, to endure, to put it in Bane terms. This has been One Shining Podcast. I'm your host, Tate Frazier. He's producer Kyle. He's Kyle Mann. And we will see you on Wednesday with Kevin Clark. We're going to talk about Miami. So it's going to be a fun show coming up. And we'll see you back on Thursday. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.